in Europe, there's over the last one and a half year, people have been crazy about isopods. I don't know how much you've been <laughs> following that that trend in America, but people are like uh, going out collecting these in Thailand and stuff like that and selling them with the GPS coordinates with the animals. So the collector know where they are exactly. For isopods? Up. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> fucked up to be honest. <laughs> Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. Welcome to From the Ground Up. A few things to get out of the way, as always. PortCityPythons.com. We have some available corn snakes. I haven't put ball pythons up there yet, but of course there's ball pythons for sale. No trades, please. And as far as PortCityPythons.com, we also have shirts available. And what else do we have? Amazon show links in the description. I don't know. It's too early for me to think. Yeah, which is sad because it's 10 o'clock, but it's, we are tired. <laughs> we definitely, we went out last night, but we're old, so we came back at a reasonable time, <laughs> we were, but we're still stupid. We were like both asleep by 1 a.m., but we're still tired. No, we got home at like 12 and you were sleeping and then I woke you up to get cookies. Yes, but I was, and then we went, we got cookies and we came back and then we went to sleep. I was doing the last time we went to sleep. I know I took it in between that, but. <laughs> um, anyway. Okay. Now, Sorry, now that you know why we're drinking coffee and not like beer, beer or anything, I think beer is generally frowned upon at 10, 15 a.m. It is Sunday, it's football, so we could if we felt like uh-huh. it, I have to go babysit, so I got to be a, a good adult. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely majorly frowned upon to babysit while you're intoxicated. But <laughs> um, today we have on Martin of MGR Reptiles. Would you say it's MG Reptiles or MGR M- Reptiles? MG Reptiles. <laughs> there you go. At least that's what I've been calling myself the last 10 years. <laughs> no, we're just dumb because we've both been calling it MGR Reptiles the whole time. But there's only <laughs> one R, so we're just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Um. <laughs> I'm just going off of Instagram names, which don't have spaces usually. So it's yeah. But there's not. There's only one R, so it I has know, to be. But I'm trying. Okay. Oh. trying my best. Oh jeez. Okay. <laughs> so let's go over a little bit on. Uh, give us an intro on where you are, where you came from, and kind of how you got into reptiles. Oh damn! I'm uh, I'm located in Denmark in Europe, and uh, I'm living in a. I, I, I grew up in a little uh, city with. 15 people uh, that's not a little city <laughs> 15 that's a street it's like a road with houses on, yeah exactly that's, that's a street. <laughs> but we had a church so so <laughs> there you go the thing is yeah we uh i grew up on a little farm down on this road and uh, i think this is the most common story i'm hearing when people are talking about how they got into animals and stuff grew up on a farm we were my family was like self-sustainable with a uh, Cows, pigs, sheep, horses. We had every, everything on this uh, farm. And my family was way into horses. And I was just like, God, hell no. That's not me. I like the t- <laughs> tiny, freaky stuff. I like that. So I was running outside when it was raining, collecting frogs and snails and being all weird kid. My parents standing in the window and like pointing at this kid out there. 
<laughs> well, no, then, then uh, when I got, got a big, bigger, my dad caught a uh, common grass snake, Natrix Natrix, the most common snake in Europe. And he showed it to me, and I, I got hooked. So after a few years trying to catch them out outside our house, uh, he, uh, my dad bought me a snake, uh, a royal python or a king python, or what you call it. Ball python, that's what you call ball it. Ball python. Yeah, ball python, yeah. <laughs> He bought me one of those. I was hooked. It was a cute little snake and easy for a 10-year-old kid to have. But it fastly got pretty boring to have this uh, <laughs> Yes, so I got, you understand. <laughs> uh, I got some uh, different uh, colubrids, uh, milk snakes and uh, Taiwanese beauty snakes and stuff like this. And then it's slowly, like you're doing in the reptile, you're selling and buying, selling and buying to figure out what is actually your, what you like. So now I have a pretty weird and diverse collection. So they stay. Yeah, so I saw it. I mean, you kind of work with everything across the spectrum, but I wanted to get an idea of because to us, like milk snakes and things like corn snakes, king snakes are very run of the mill here. How popular are those animals over there? They're pretty uh, popular. I would say corn snakes are the most popular beginner snake in Denmark. And I know a lot of big breeders here who are selling a lot of stuff in Europe. Uh, king snakes had its peak. Uh, Seven years ago, I would say it's still pretty common to find them in the pit trade, but it's not, they're not that common anymore. But uh, the Mexican uh, black king snake is so goddamn popular in uh, Europe right now. It's everywhere. Everyone is living in it, and it's so goddamn expensive right now. <laughs> I mean, we saw one, someone, I think we talked about this in another podcast, but someone was trying to sell one for $800. When previously at a show, we would have been able to get a proven female for about 150 yeah. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and that, that's in dollars, right? Oh, yeah. Sorry, uh, I don't know the conversion. Yeah, no, no worries. Because <laughs> I'm also counting lately my, my Danish uh, currency to euros all the time. So I'm, I'm trying to follow it. <laughs> uh, I, I just saw um, a proven breeder pair of Mexican king snakes for sale on uh, Ham. The Ham and Hound has their own Facebook page where you can uh, sell and trade animals. And uh, he put it up for 850 pounds. I have no idea how much that is in uh, dollars, but that's really expensive. Well, I just looked at the Danish, what, krone? Is that how you say yeah. it? It's yeah. six times the worth of our dollar. Yeah. Well, no, it's what? the opposite. Oh, you're, you're oh. Uh, other oh. It's, it works at $1 is six. Six of yours, okay. Yeah. <laughs> But as far as ham, I mean, because I don't know exactly how that works because it does not work like regular shows here in the States. It seems like people like set up to trade in the parking lot of the show or what? how does that work? That's what it seems from the outside. They're like, we're going to yeah. we're going to meet at ham and we're going <laughs> to exchange. Gotcha. Yeah, 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 it's it's a uh, it's 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 a it's a really hustle. And uh the thing is, you're not allowed to trade or have animals outside the boxes outside of the expo, actually. So a few back in the days, they were really hard against this. So if they saw people doing it, they were getting thrown away and told not to get back there and stuff. But people are coming there and they're not really all the all the trades are happening before or under the table before the expo opens. It's it's that's what people are coming for. Oh, no sound? No, sorry. He clicked something, so then it stopped switching. I don't know why he Yeah, I did it because it keeps on switching back to us, and I don't okay. like that. So how does 
it seems like is there like no shipping in between the European countries or some European countries, and that's why everyone goes to the show and seems to make their purchases at the show? There's a few couriers. Couriers. Uh, there is something called DDI. They're actually going to America. Dutch Dragon Import, if you know that one. Mm-mm. There's also a few one that's going from England to uh, to uh, to Germany. But most people are driving themselves, and it's pretty easy to get people to take animals for you back and forth. But I know so many people down there. I have so many connections now that I'm doing it myself because I'm enjoying to get away and spend the day with geeks and nerds. <laughs> so that's that's a way to get out of the house and spend some quality time with friends. Absolutely. So what were you looking for at this ham show or did you end up coming back with anything? Uh, I was looking for something and I found it, but I, I always order something ahead and sell it ahead to make the trip pay itself mostly. I got, That's so I got smart. Home, yeah. Uh, I got home with five orinated wood turtles from Costa Rica, mm. small, small cute critters, and, uh, and four... Uh, Rhino rat snakes, babies, they're like goddamn cheap in uh, Europe con- compared to America. <laughs> and then I found, uh, they don't, I don't think they have a common name, Gunyonsoma fanatum. You know what you're saying. It's an Asian rat snake? It is, it is an Asian one. A, a small one that's only getting around a meter. And uh, the German guy I was talking with, he said that the father's was Turkish blue and the mother is green. And he's been making so many blue babies from this pair. So, so I'm hoping to get some blue uh, specimens. Awesome. So are things like Asian rat snakes, are those much more common over there? Or you're Central American? Um, I'm not sure exactly where rhino rats are from, but I thought they're from somewhere in Central they're, America. They're from Viet- rhino rat snakes are from Vietnam and Okay, China. then I'm uh, way wrong. I'm yeah. thinking about Baron's racers, I think. Yeah, definitely. Well... I, f- I think the the Asian stuff is more uh, people like it tend to like it more because it's main often the more colorful animals, and it's easier to uh, well like you also are doing with your corn snakes. It's easier to have p- uh, animals from the same area to hibernate them the same way and keep the care of the same way. My room is a mess because everything is different. I need to put my animals into boxes in different rooms when I need to hibernate them. But that's just how I like it. So. Yeah, and you seem to have, I mean, you don't only have Asian rat snakes, but you have things like geckos and then obviously the those turtles. ornate wood turtles. And well, so do you have separate rooms for every, like how many rooms are you working with and do you move them around during the seasons? Uh, we're living in a four-room apartment, me and my girlfriend. And uh, I said when we were moving, we moved from a two-room one, I need to have one room for my animals because I don't want to have it all over the place. And we got that. But then I was starting to try to breed some animals and I need to hibernate them. And I had some other animals I couldn't hibernate. So they went to a third room in our fourth room apartment. Yeah, that sounds like someone else I know who said they only (laughs) did one room and now it's expanding more and more. That's how my girlfriend is saying. She just uh, I went. She went into the fourth room today because I was picking up some equipment in there. And she's like, "So I thought you're only gonna have one room." <laughs> and I was just like, "Yeah. Well, do you need something in here, or can I just keep it?" <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she, she's a cute. She, she's she's good against me. She she gives me some trouble sometimes and some hard times, but she. 
I know it's uh, it's it's only by love she's meaning it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you gotta put your space to use, and I mean, you need at certain times, especially with. I mean, it seems like Asian rat snakes. Obviously, you keep a, a bit cooler, and then some of your animals you may need hotter hot spots. Yeah. Or, is there anything that you need like higher ambience for, or anything like that? I think my the animals going at the highest temperature right now is my warmer pythons, and it's not even because it's so high. It's like, well, we're saying it in Celsius, so I have like <laughs> thirty five Celsius hotspot, and then I just have like normal room temperature in the cold end, like twenty two, twenty three Celsius. Uh, I think thirty five is around. I just did it. Fahrenheit. Also, it's like ninety five. <laughs> ninety five. Which is hot as fuck in my drawer, <laughs> what it seems to be. But, uh. But maybe Google's lying. I don't know. No, yeah. No, that's what it says. No, because see, this one says it's 75. You said 35. Oh, 35. Sorry. I think it's around 86 Fahrenheit or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Well, but one it... of the things about this is when I'm like going on online to read about animals and stuff, it's always in Fahrenheit and inches and feet and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I have these like converters on my phone to figure everything out every time because I, I can't remember all that stuff all the time. Yeah, definitely. That's a lot. I would think there'd be both. I don't know. Yeah, I think we're very, um, I don't Do you find that the hobby as a whole, the information that you can get is like, kind of american centric as far as we are the ones who've been the hobby is very established here as well i mean it is established in places like germany as well but um do you find that you get a lot of your information from americans or that's that's the americans articles and stuff is the 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 go-to ones because i can read english and speak english pretty well but the German one are often more detailed and have all the small details, but I don't read German. So that's a sad thing for me because they have some of the best uh, hypticals down there and they, they know way more stuff than is getting translated to English. That's interesting. Now we see a lot of European keepers kind of lean towards like bioactive enclosures yeah so what do you use for enclosures and what's kind of your ideas behind it oh i'm all over the place with everything i have wrecks and i have terrariums and but i keep my animals the way that it's easiest for for me to keep them and some of my animals i definitely think it's easier for me to keep them in bioactive uh, enclosures like my hotelanos because I just have a lot of plants in there and it's keeping the humidity high. And when the animals is making a shit, the isopods and stuff is going to clean it. And if the snake is, uh, I just had one of my um, keto slug eating snakes uh, make, changing their shit. So I saw it when I got home tonight and all the small isopods were sitting up in the, up in the tree eating this shit and stuff. <laughs> so I don't need to do anything. I just need to put in some water sometimes and feed the snake. I think it's an easy way, easy way to do it, but I also see some bad things about it because it's hard to control the, uh, the bacterial infection that can be inside something like this. So you need to keep it a bit under control. 
Yeah, I think we have a weird thing over here where we want everything to be sterile. So it's like we keep everything very sterile and clean yeah. it exactly when things happen. And I don't know. I don't know which way is better. I only really kept the way most of us keep over here. But as far as like you have those slug eating snakes and do you feed them snails or what do you feed them? I, I feed them uh, snails with house. I don't know what, what you call those ones. House snails. Yeah, yeah snails you can find outside with the shell on, and I'm also feeding them uh, what do you call it those ones, Fulica snails, those Congo African snails. They're pretty available here in Denmark and Europe, so I can just buy them for like cheap and throw them in there. And are they dead? Are they frozen? Or are no, they they're alive. They're alive. alive. Oh. Do you buy them from like pet stores, or how do you source them? Nah, I, I hate pet stores. Uh, different. Oh, that's the worst thing ever. Okay, no, well, let's I, talk I, about that next. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm buying from uh, people I know, and I have. I have. Denmark is a pretty small country, so everyone knows each other almost. Unless you like upcoming, then people don't know you. But else, people know each other and who you are. So there's so, snail breeders. <laughs> there's there's a lot of snail breeders, and I just write a few of my friends, and then just like, yeah, I have a box with thousand of them. You can get them from for hundred crowns. That's like thirty thirty dollars or something like that. And then I have food for the next half year. Nice. So will you keep them? You'll just like keep a box of snails or something? Yeah, I just, I just have a plastic box that's filled with sna snails, and then I feed the snails with uh, carrots and other green stuff. And I have my biggest snails right now is like around this. But it can Damn. grow like this, like if, around a half a kilo, 600 grams. Yeah, and if no one could see that, I mean, that was probably easily about like six inches or so, which seems Ooh, like a pretty big, <laughs> yeah. like a pretty big snail. Yeah, definitely. And so what do you do? You just put them in the enclosure and then this, I've never seen a snake eat a snail before. That's, that's so incredible to see. So it's the, one of the most weird things I've ever seen. Um, they are nocturnal, nocturnal, is that how you say it? Like night living snake, yeah. snakes. And uh, I need to go into my room in the nighttime after 10 when the light is closing, turning off. And I need to sit still on a chair in front of the terrarium enclosure for like 10 minutes before something is happening. But when they're getting out and they see the snails, they're just like moving after the snail and they, they want to hit the snail at the exact same spot every time. Because they have the the snakes have longer teeth in the right side of the mouth than in the left side because they're pulling out the snail out of the house. So it's 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 insane to see, and I, I love those freaky animals. So they they actually pull the snail out of the shell. Yeah. They don't eat the whole shell. And are yeah. those are those snakes rear fang venomous? No, no, they they're, they're not venomous at all. But they, I, I bought them wild caught. So I, I hate wild caught animals, but some animals you can't really get in the trade. So someone needs to do and try to do the work to get them established. Now, what did you do as far as when you first imported those animals? Did you treat them? And what were the steps that you went through to make sure that they were good? I got them from a, a really, really good importer that's doing all the, all the external parasite. He's cleaning all that stuff off, but he's not doing anything inside unless it's a big animal. The, the pareas, the kilo slug-eating snakes I had, they're really thin, small snakes. So if you treat them against anything, they could actually end up dying from it because they're not that big. So I just fought, fought for me, myself. I'm not going to do anything to stress them out. I'm going to keep them in quarantine for half a year 
separate, make sure they're eating and growing. Then I throw them together. And now I'm just hoping to get, get some eggs so I can get the next generation up going without anything being inside them. But they're a weird snake. They, then they drop up to three to five clutches a year with two to three eggs at a time. That's so weird. Wow. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> so, go, go ahead. <laughs> well, then I was going to say the only paper I could find of these snakes was, was like an A4 paper size from Germany. It's like scientific paper. That's the only information I could find on these snakes. And that's one of the things I enjoy in this hobby when I can go ahead into a project where there's no information at all. So you need to really study and figure out everything to get it going. That's when you really learn from your snake, yeah, not just, definitely. you know, from the internet. Yeah, you have to watch your snake instead of trying to go off some paper and try to do what definitely. you can there. So well, as far as breeding, like, are you just trying to cohab at certain parts of the year or what are you doing? Uh, with these snakes, I'm just throwing them together and, and they've got to live together for, for the rest of their life, uh, all their time. Um, they are really... Uh, slow moving species and they're pretty nervous and stuff but i think i think it's because they're wild they're a bit like this i had a friend of mine back in 2003 he also had he had five of them in a big terrarium he never had any uh, breeding on them but he had them together all year round and in the winter time he uh, he just stopped eating and turned off the light with them i, I think i'll just keep on uh, feeding them because where they're from in the world they're not really having that low temperature and time without eating. So I think I'm just going to go straight at them and see if it will work out. And you just throw a couple snails in there or you have to put them in certain places and make sure that they don't fight over snails? <laughs> they will not fight at all. They're going to get scared from each other. No, I'm, just, I'm <laughs> dropping in, <laughs> I'm dropping in uh, around 10 to 20 snails a week. And then it's just they're, they're eating. They're supposed to, from the paper I read, they're eating three to five snails every three, fourth day or something like that. So I'm just bringing in a lot of snails and they, they will sit on the side of the terrarium and stuff. So when I'm not seeing that many snails anymore, I'm just dropping in a new bunch. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're active hunters every night. So they will just eat a few snails and go to sleep and then hunt again next day. Wow. You so a whole little like life cycle thing. Like, yeah, you have it all going on in there. Yeah. <laughs> and do you find that they're going to the bathroom a lot? I mean, if they're eating that many snails and they may have like a fast metabolism, are you, do you see when they go to the bathroom? Uh, I have a lot of plants in there and isopods. I haven't really seen any, uh, what do you call it? Shits from them? What do you call that? The dump? Or the, <laughs> well, yeah, that's yeah. an aggressive way to say it, but yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Shit is> a... <laughs> well, what's the nice way to say it? It's an expletive, but uh, I don't know. There's no nice There's way no... to say it. You could say poop, but that sounds childish, but <laughs> shit is aggressive too. So okay, okay. Shit works. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll put it in a more nice way. When I'm going to the toilet, I'm not really seeing it because yeah. I have a lot of plants down there and isopods are eating it. When I had them in more simpler enclosure when they're in quarantine, there is nothing, so I could see the shit, uh, the the toilet part, <laughs> and I and also put it on the on the steric cove or what you call it to see into the shit or the toilet part. It feels weird to say it like that. So you were you were basically putting it under a microscope. Yeah, exactly, to see if there's any parasites and stuff. I couldn't see anything, but I'm not like so good at it. But they're working and they're not looking thin on anything, so I'm hoping the best right now. 
Yeah, that's that's crazy. So these aren't, I mean, a lot of animals you cohab and you'll see them like wrapped up together and hanging out together. These aren't those. Uh, they're scared of each other. They're, <laughs> not, they're not scared of each other. They're they're laying inside the cork bark in the in the substrate, and that's the they're laying in there in all the hours in the day, and then in the nighttime they're going out, and that's what I'm seeing. I'm only seeing them a few hours every day, if if not only a few times a week, because I'm not in my reptile room every night to check yeah. it out. Now, how big are these animals? Did you get them as wild-caught adults? And how big is an adult? And how big is the enclosure? Uh, I will say it in centimeters, the enclosure. The enclosure is 60 centimeters wide, uh, 70 high, and 30 centimeters deep. So it's pretty small, but it's they don't need that much because they're not much think, thicker than... I think the female is like as thick as my pinky. And the male is uh, even slimmer than that. And they will get to around 60 to 80 centimeters. So like long, thin snake. So that's like two feet for uh, all your Americans out there. (laughs) Yeah. 60 centimeters. Female, yeah. Mm -hmm. Small, pretty small. Pretty small, yeah. And I like to keep small stuff. And you said that they're kept pretty warm, but you're keeping them that um 35 celsius that you're keeping everything else uh not 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 these ones they're just staying at the room temperature in my room every day so they're going around 22 24 depending on the day and then in the nighttime it can drop down to 21 in my room right now and i'm going to keep these animals this way all all year round and then i have other animals i'm going to put in in tops in other room or something else to get them cooled in the winter and do you um Oh, damn. Do you know if anyone has bred them before in captivity? Uh, will, the, the guy who imported mine, uh, one of the females he's, he got in was pregnant. Or oh, what do you call it if you don't call it pregnant? No, well, you're good. He, yeah, he got, he got eggs on them and he has like small babies of them, but he is also keeping them back from his, for himself. Okay. But as far as like breeding and eggs and all that in captivity, I haven't found any information of it yet. So you're going to be the is, first. I have no idea. I, I can only hope. I can only hope it will succeed. Now, did he hatch those eggs out or are they still incubating? Oh, they hatched out. Uh, one day he just put up a picture on his, uh, on his Facebook page with a little baby. I was like, you had small babies? And he's like, yeah, it hatched a couple of days ago. And he just found it in, in the vivarium with the big females he had because he didn't pick up the eggs. They were just in the substrate. So he didn't do anything. He just found it in there. <laughs> well, that's pretty awesome. At least you know. I mean, I'm guessing if you do end up getting eggs, that you're going to end up doing that same method. You're just going to keep them in the enclosure, let the mother do anything if she wants to, or are you going to try to uh, artificially incubate? I would probably go for artificial artificial incubating. But that's only because I have the isopods in there, and they're eating calcium. And the shelf of eggs is a bit of mm-hmm. calcium, right? Yeah. As far as I know. So I would be afraid they will eat the egg, to be honest. Mm. If it's not far enough yeah. down in the substrate. So I, if if my female is getting fake, I'm going to put in a hide box or something like that to see if she'll put, in, put the eggs in there. in there. And then are you going to try to get it to, you're going to put it room temperature in your room or are you going to try to heat them up a little bit? Do you no, have I'm, just, I'm just going to put them, I'm, I'm going to put them in a corner in the room and then just forget about them for the next 60 days. <laughs> Right on. I heard that's yeah. the best way to get it going. 
<laughs> I mean, that's a, that's most of the method with most yeah. lubrids, but that's the way we pretty much do Just all of our lie, yeah. our eggs. But you know, if you're coming from Python people, they want everything to be like. 89 degrees exactly yeah. for a certain amount of days. But uh, have you bred? I know you said you had baby rhino rats, but I did see that you posted pictures of some green rhino rats, which I assumed were a little bit older. So did you yeah. already have a colony of rhino rats before ham? Yeah, I definitely had. It's the same person. I've been buying from her three times in a row now. And uh, same parents, all the animals now. Back in 2016, I bought the original five animals, sold two of them to a real good friend because five, I heard they're really hard getting going. So I thought like, I'm going to give two to my friends, three to myself, and then we will exchange if ever, anything happens. But they were really easy to get going and I found a really good method for it, which I told a few uh, Americans and they're like, how are you doing that? That's so weird. I can tell you the method after. <laughs> but they, I, they got going and I'm hope, hoping they will be big enough by the by the end of the year so I can hibernate them and get them ready for, next, for breeding next year. But I'm afraid they're not big enough because I'm seeing a lot of American rhino rat snakes and they're like twice the size of, size of mine. Oh, wow. Yeah, but mine is around a meter, a meter and 20 centimeters. So they're like around the maturity side, size. But a lot of people in America is getting to them to like close to one five, one six centimeters. That's crazy in my mind compared that it should be a small species. So what is your um, thoughts on feeding? And are we feeding too much? Are you feeding too little? Or is there <laughs> some sweet spot in between? How often are you feeding them? Well, we, well, in Denmark, there's a lot of those, I, I would call them power feeders. Just throwing in food every five or seven days. Well, I breed my own mice and rats and stuff, and I put really much, much honor into making all my... Uh, my feeding animals by myself, like also insects and stuff. Because I put, it's an honor in knowing what my animal is eating is something that I bred and is of a good quality. Uh, there's a lot of power feeders in Denmark and they get like ball pythons and uh, boa constrictors up into size in under two years. And the same with hawk noses, also one year or two years for females. Oh gosh. That's so crazy in my mind. And I would never do that to my animal. If I'm not sure it's ready, I'm gonna wait one more year. I'm not. I don't. I'm not so busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, but I, think... I don't know about it. I don't know if it's America that's crazy. I just think it's few people. And yeah, I mean, everyone there's... over one. Yeah, there's only really a few people breeding rhino rats over here that I know of. There is, but okay. Yeah, I think our mentality is shifting as far as there's a lot of people who are on the light side of feeding. There's still some people like mostly people who are into ball pythons, people who feed more often than maybe yeah. we're used to with things like uh, Australian species or North American colubrids. Um, there's, there's both sides of the coin really throughout, you know, our country and, I think and it our depends hobby. on how big the business is or how much they're trying to push. There's different know. mentalities, right, you know, right. depending yeah. on I see that in America, it is much more of a, we like to make money on everything or we like to turn everything into a business. Is it, yeah. is your mentality different? I mean, are you worried about, I mean, you said that you pay for your ham show and stuff like that. So is there a business side to it for you or how do you go about it? Well, for me personally, 
if my hobby can go into zero in the end with uh, the expense of getting covered by me selling or trading and stuff, that's perfect for me because it's just a hobby for me. So if I can make a bit plus on it, that's just me. I just have a chance to uh, spend money on some other projects I want to get in. I don't see it as a business at all for me. I'm, I'm, I'm a hobbyist by heart, and I like to have a diverse collection. I'm not, I'm not going to have like 50 or 100 hognose or ball pythons. It's going to get too bored, boring for me, to be honest. I like to have something different, and every day I'm going to my room. I have different kind of animals from different places in the world, so I always have some animals out, and I'm enjoying to see my animals out. That's also why I keep them in terrariums with bioactive and live plants and stuff, because I'm enjoying seeing this. Mm-hmm. Now, moving on, rhino rats, and what else are you keeping as far as, I don't even know what those, those like, Chinese ga- cave gecko looking things are. What Goniosaurus. I'm a geek for a scientific name, so, but they will sound weird because it was with a Danish accent. But it's like, yeah, Chinese and Japanese cave geckos. That's a pretty new thing for me, but it's also started with me breeding and doing a lot of cultures of isopods. And the Chinese cave geckos are just standing at room temperature, so they're not really costing me anything because I'm also just feeding them with isopods, which I'm breeding tons of. So I'm just having it as a little hobby project, and they're really cute and small, and they're active. How many of those animals do you have, and how do you keep them? Oh, right now, they are in plastic boxes, all of them. But that's only because I'm going to renovate my reptile room soon. So I have a big uh, wall of uh, eight terrariums, like cubes, like uh, one and a half foot time, one and a half foot time, one and a half foot, where I have a lot of animals now. And I'm going to make a whole wall with bigger terrariums for all the animals that are in those. And I'm going to put the cave goes into those ones after. Sweet. And but they just... I, I, I have, a, I have a five of them right now, but... Uh, I have a friend that's breeding them, so I'm getting uh, a third species in a month or two, hopefully. And have you bred them yet? And do you cohab no, those as well? I don't cohab them yet because I, all, of, all of those I had, I had them as uh, babies. So I'm growing them up. I'll, I'll, that's one of my things also with me. I put an honor in buying babies and growing them up myself. So I also know it's good animals that I'm breeding on or whatever I'm doing with them. I don't like buying big animals and breed them and shoot them out so fast. But no, yeah. I don't cohab them yet because with, uh, like with snakes and stuff, you don't want to put, put the, the female on too much pressure too early. So um, one of my females is ready in yeah, half a year from now. So hopefully with, at that time I can do it. And those mature rather quick in comparison to most of your uh, snakes, correct? Definitely, definitely. Do you know how long it takes? Because you said you're shooting for like another half a year or whatever. I mean, is there an age thing? Is there a weight thing? How do you know? Uh, it's, it's more an age. My my friend who's breeding them, he's saying around two years. Then they are definitely ready in two years normally. And uh, they are around a year now. And uh, it's like on Christy Geckos, you can really see... Uh, which one is the boy because he has uh, his parts sticking out. <laughs> so it's pretty easy. And I saw that uh, a couple of months ago, and that normally means that only half a year they'll be ready. But I'm also just throwing a lot of isopods in the, in the box with them where they have, like, barks and stuff. So they're, like, hunting and crawling all, all over the place to find food all the time. 
Yeah, I thought because I wasn't sure ever what those fed on. Would they feed on like mealworms and crickets too, or isopods exclusive? Everything they're small enough for them to eat. Yeah, so <laughs> everything. Just eat any but, bug. Yeah, definitely. I'm not big fan of mealworms because they are too fat, but they work for some animals. And I'm feeding my um, African fat-tailed gecko primar- primarily with mealworms because she doesn't like cockroaches and anything else. <laughs> so do you do you breed cockroaches as well? No. Uh, yeah, uh, I used to do dubious, but I'm stopped doing that because I didn't have any animals eating them anymore. I'm doing a, a few, um, what do you call them, earth living cockroaches that are just living in, uh, in dirt. So I just have a box of dirt and they're just living in there. So wait, okay. You do mice, roaches, geckos, snakes, turtles, frogs, frogs. <laughs> Shit. What do you do as far as breeding rodents? Do you breed them in your apartment? No, no, no. Luckily, oh, no. okay. I was Luckily, super no. confused. Okay, okay. This makes much more sense. No, I have a real good friend of mine uh, who has a big house not far away from where I'm living, and he actually have. Uh, uh, Kuminki uh, uh, monitors and stuff like that. He has like a big, big, big uh, old uh, farm where he's building onto big enclosures and stuff. And uh, with helping him, I'm a carpenter, so I'm helping him. And by helping him, I can have my shit out there and breed my mice and rats there with another friend. Sweet. So, so being a carpenter, there. do you Sorry? build a lot of enclosures for yourself? I'm going to now. I'm going to now. I didn't do it in my old apartment because it was not big enough. So I just got those cubes and I got them for free. But now I'm going to build a whole wall when I'm going to have time and money for it. It's a winter project because in the summertime, we were really busy busy working. Yeah, I've I always thought that and hearing from a lot, I guess it's more primarily like UK keepers, but they're always complaining about how much space they have. But it seems like after I saw Casper and his room with his giant monitor cages and shit. Yeah. And you obviously have four rooms going on. <laughs> so like it doesn't seem space. like you have a problem <laughs> that much with space. Well, I only I only have um I have most of my things in one room and then the other one is like equipment and hibernate. And then I have one terrarium in the living room with uh Christy Geckos. And Casper is actually a really good friend of mine. <laughs> Yeah, I figured since you said that everyone knows each other, that yeah. you probably so you are not the first person from Denmark to be on this podcast. Surprisingly, <laughs> he's been on your podcast before. Yeah, yeah, we've had. Casper. I didn't know that. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna find that one then. How how long time ago was that? Um, uh, like two or three know, three I months ago. We were still in Dallas. Oh, I know that. I was out okay. of town or something. Well, because we had to do it in the middle of the day, because that's yes. why you weren't here. You were at school or something, but. <laughs> But yeah, it's pretty crazy. And I heard that he does a podcast. Yeah, in... yeah. D- Danish Reptile Radio. Yeah, but he does it in Danish. Like, that's, that's yeah. what your language would be called, right? I'm not wrong. Yeah. That's like yeah. Danish. Yeah, which is kind of crazy thinking that there's enough people to have... To have a podcast. A very specific yeah. podcast like that. Uh, I don't think there's that many listeners. This is only the hardcore geeks that's listening to it. So maybe around 1,000 or 2,000 listen, listening people to every podcast. He's not doing them that often anymore, sadly. He used to do them on a monthly ba- basic, but now he's, he hasn't done one in three months, I think. 
last time we we put Denmark in two places. We have we have Jylland, and then we have the island where Casper is on, Jylland, Copenhagen, and stuff over there. And then when I was over there to an expo last time, we were actually um, shooting and podcast over there, and while we were drinking and having fun before the the day before the expo. But it hasn't come that because Casper, and I'm gonna say. Casper, you're stupid. You haven't paid about it, and you stopped your block talk radio stuff. So it's not, it's not going on right now. <laughs> well, yeah, because he asked me how we host our podcast. So I think he was trying to figure out something new uh, and get off block talk or whatever. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to mess with him until he puts one out. Although I can't listen to it, but <laughs> I wish because well, we can't, we won't understand it. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll still get him to put Try it to out because it's always good to have <laughs> Reptile podcasts out there. Definitely. Well, I think on my on my phone alone, I have like twelve different reptile podcasts. I'm trying to keep up with all the time. So every time I'm in the animal room, I'm having headset on and going around and doing stuff with you guys and other and Owen and Eric in the ears all the time. Yeah. Well, we appreciate it. And there's now there's just so many podcasts out there, which is awesome because everyone's kind of. You can always have reptile stuff going on. It used to be like, okay, once a week I can listen yeah. to Eric and Owen and then they're the only podcast I can depend on. But now I feel like there's more and more people who are doing it more and more consistently, which is Definitely. great. And I had a question that I forgot. but I have one, but it's off go. topic. <laughs> oh, oh, I know what I was going to ask. Okay. Um, due to the weather there, are you able to, as far as brumation or hibernation, just do you just open a window also, or you what just is don't the weather room? there because i don't know it <laughs> yeah <laughs> we had the most insane summer in denmark in 30 years i think we went going with almost two months without rain and just pure summer and heat uh it was nice it was nice uh, i missed that kind of summer but it was also pretty hard against animals outside and animals in my room because it was getting insanely hot in there uh, normally people are just putting the animals in the basement or cooling down the whole room. Most people in Denmark have all the animals in the basement or they have a shed outside with animals in normally. Mm. So they can keep the temperature more controlled. In my, my room where I'm going to hibernate my animals or bromate, bromate them, uh, it's not getting so far down as I would like to. But just giving the animals those couple of months of food and in darkness is normally just enough. And what is hot to you in Denmark? Oh, I would sweat if I was in California, I can say that. <laughs> uh, well, in Denmark, in, in the shadow where you're taking uh, the temperature, it's around, in the summertime, it's around 28, 30 degrees in, in the shadow. That's what I'm normally keep, keeping high temperature in some of my animals' enclosure. But when you're in, in directly, directly sun, it's really hot. But the winter is shitty in Denmark because it's, it used to be snow when I was a kid. Now it's just pouring rain in the wintertime. So that's a bit sad. Yeah. I mean, um, for everyone listening, that would be your summers would be like in the mid 80s. If, yeah. you know, and, perfect to me. Which, sound, which <laughs> sounds great, but I'm sure you wouldn't have a problem brewmating in the winter. Definitely. No, it's so. easy here in Denmark normally. Yeah. Are you doing because you said you're not that concerned of where it goes as far as down cool enough i mean most people here would shoot for like 55 or 50 degrees fahrenheit yeah. um, is there a temperature that you're shooting for for brumation or you're just turning off food turning off light and you're not worried as much as 
what the actual temperature is. Nah, I, I would love to get it down where your guys are going, but I can't with my current situation. And uh, one of my good friends, Lasse, from the north of Denmark, he's breeding 100, if not 200s of hognose every year. And he's going down that far and has a, a whole room, uh, uh, carport, uh, where you park your car. He has built mm-hmm. one of these, and he's, he can go down as far as he wants. I would love to do that. I can't do that right now, and I hope I can do it in the future when I'm going to get a house or something like that. But for now, I'll just stick with what I'm doing and see if it will work out. I haven't bred that many animals in my life, but I can only hope. So what have you bred so far then? Uh, Kenyan sun boys and rosy boys. Oh, wow. And did you move on from those? or Because I haven't seen you post much. Nah, back in 2008 till 2010, I had seven or eight different species of Kenyan uh, of sun boys. And I had five or seven different kinds of morph, morphs of the Kenyan. And then I decided to move and start on a new education. So I moved to a small apartment and I sold all my animals. And that's the most sad thing I've ever done because those animals are so goddamn expensive this day. And I had everything back then. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what's going to happen sometimes. Yeah. So what made you not get back in the rosy boas or Kenyan samboas? What made you kind of pivot to other species? I'm getting back in there. <laughs> I have sun uh, boys and rosy boys again now. <laughs> oh, okay, you just have babies growing up. No, I bought um, I bought the the Mexican one, the the rosy boy, the Mexican one with the black. I bought mm. uh, two proven breeder females and uh, a pair around one and a half year old of them. So now I have one point three of them, and then I bought one point one of the the Saslovi, the red version of it. And that female just throwed me five slugs and a, and a half-done baby. So I was pretty sad that day. Oh, man. That's not what you're looking forward to find in your room. So, so now hopefully with, next year it will work. Yeah, with the rosy boas, we clearly have a lot of localities here. Obviously, they're native animals besides yeah. like the Mexicans and some of the other locales. But um, do you have access to a bunch of the locales? Are those imported readily? from the states not anymore but back in 2000 till 2010 they were pretty available and uh, there's still people doing them like the the limburgs albinos and uh, Baya something i have i have i have the book called rosy boys patterns patterns in time and in denmark or in europe you could get like half of those locality normally Back in the days, it's they're not that common anymore, and normally people are just having the the mixed one now. They're just calling them by the scientific names. Mm-hmm. But I would love to get the localities because I'm a I'm a freak like that. I like the the locality and all that stuff on them. Yeah, because I mean that's a huge thing here is things like low localities. People really, if you're gonna have a native species like something like your rosy boas or your gray banded king snakes or everyone wants to know localities exactly. and where it came from this mile marker and all this stuff yeah there's um in europe there's over the last one and a half year people have been crazy about isopods i don't know how much you've been <laughs> following that that trend in america but people are like uh, going out collecting these in thailand and stuff like that and selling them with the gps coordinates with the animals so the collector know where they're exactly for isopods up. yeah it's pretty fucked up, to be honest. Oh my god, who 
cares that much? I don't know. Like, I feel like an isopod is an isopod. How many different, do you know how, how many different species of isopods are there? And are there different what? species or? <laughs> there, there's a lot of different species. There's the Pacilio and then there's Amadilium, which are the most, uh, two most common uh, species of them. The one is just a normal flat one. And then the other one is the one that could go into a, like a ball. And then there's a lot of other different ones. Uh, in Denmark alone, we have 28 different kinds of species of isopods. So imagine Native. how many you have in America. Yeah, imagine how many you have in your country. Oh my God. Yeah, because I know we just called them roly-polies when we were a kid. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know they're what an isopod was. They're all bugs to me. Like, they're just <laughs> bugs. Like, <laughs> now, is the idea to get your animal feeding on their natural locality of isopods? Is that the idea? Nah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not that geeky. Sadly, I would love to, but <laughs> I, I'm keeping the species that's uh, highly. Uh, they're breeding fast, fastly uh, reproducing, because I, I had a few species which was growing to like six and a half centimeters. I don't know how much that is an inch. It's pretty big, I suppose. And they were like uh, they could live for two years, and uh, they only got like thirty babies in that lifespan. Oh wow! Whoa. So yeah, and the other I one thought I they to... go real quick. Like I thought they produce a whole yeah, bunch. I have other ones where I have like two hundred in a bucket, and in a month now there would be thousands. Yeah. Holy crap. Now, does it matter what what isopods you use in what enclosure, or is there a certain amount that they can take care of, or a certain amount of isopods that you need in each enclosure? I'm just throwing some in there. <laughs> some, of the isopods, some of the isopods really like it, the high humidity, and some like it. It's a, I'm more going with the more dry. So it's depending on which kind of enclosure I have. It's if if it's with the Amazon tree borers, I have a, the more high humidity one because they're always wet down at the plants. And then the other ones uh, with the with the. Um, Ping tongue skinks I have. I have some bit more dry living ones because I like to dry out the substrate sometimes. You have skinks too. Yeah. Is there anything you don't have? Skinks and two tongue I have no idea. I will get it if I don't. Do you feed those those animals uh, snails as well? Yeah, I'm collecting snails outside in the summertime and then putting them in the freezer in the winter. So nice. right now, I think I have five kilos of snails in the freezer, and it's been a really bad year for snails in Denmark because it's been so much heat here. There so normally moisture. I can go and I have a I have a route I can go and I'm only collecting one and a half kilo of snails. And last time I went there, I found five snails. Wow, so that's really so, bad, and that's just because of the heat. And that's a they, uh, five kilos is a lot of scale or snails rather. <laughs> it is. And you're not worried about collecting them out in the wild. Something they can. Uh, the snails are known for one parasite that's pretty common to call the hard and long worm. And uh, if you're freezing it, it should die as far as I know. And I haven't had any sick, any, sick animals in the time I've been feeding them snails. So I hope it's just it's working with uh, just uh, freezing the snails. But I have no idea to be honest. But my animals are thriving and they're not thin or anything. But what you would, if you, sorry? But you wouldn't feed the native snails to say your snail eating snakes or your slug eating I snakes. Would, or... I, I would love to do it, but I don't think I can get those kind of snails without it being really expensive. And would you could you frozen thaw a snail and have those animals eat it? Or you think they have to be alive? 
I don't know about the snakes. Uh, the lizards are eating the frozen one pretty pretty well. I don't know about the snakes. Uh, the guy who had them in Denmark five or ten years ago, he said he could get them doing get them to do it. But I haven't tried to be honest because I have so many live snails. I'm just throwing them in there. I like to see the natural behavior of the animals. Right. Interesting. <laughs> so different. So many bugs and fun things. I know you got a lot of bugs. <laughs> You have a very understanding girlfriend. She's the best. (laughs) (laughs) Now, of these, I guess we can talk about, I don't know anything about pink tongue skinks. I've never even heard of that before. As sad as that is, I've only heard blue tongue. (laughs) So are those those animals captive bred and where do they come from and how do you keep them? Pink pink tongue skink is from uh, Australia. And uh, if there's one country I love the most, I would like to go visit is Australia. So I, I understand why Owen is so sad right now with Eric going. <laughs> but they're living in, in Australia on the, on the East Coast, going from all the way from the, from the north or down, bit, not all, all the way to the south of Australia, but on the, the, on the forest on the east side of it. So they're just living there in forest and, uh, forest, yeah, and just eating snails there. They're pretty common down there. Are they similar to keep as blue tongue skinks, or are they a little bit more difficult? Uh, a lot of people back in the days just fed them on uh, cat and dog food, like people also doing with blue tongue skink. I don't like that method at all. That's just my honest opinion. So I'm feeding my also my blue tongue skink. I was also getting a wired diet of insects, snails, and stuff like this. And my pink tongue skink is only getting the snails, and I keep them in a higher uh, vivarium because they're more, they're, what do you call it when they like to climb and stuff? Arboreal. Yeah, exactly, arboreal. <laughs> so I keep them in a bit higher one, and I have I have two breeding pairs, and then I have uh, four youngsters around two years old. So I have a lot of them, but it's also one of my favorite species of lizards, to be honest. Awesome! I think I see a lot of keepers of the blue tongues who they keep like them in racks in complete darkness yeah. with like hay in there and like dog food. It just doesn't, I don't know. It's so weird to me. I had a blue tongue skink and I like actually ground up food for it and stuff. Like, Uh, like I just ground up the vegetables and eggs and meat or whatever the hell I could get my hands on. But I mean, so glad we're past that. Doesn't seem like a decent (laughs) existence in a rack. I mean, what do you do as far as uh, blue tongue skinks? Well, the sad part is my blue tongue is in a wreck right now, but it's only because I'm <laughs> I'm gonna build a big terrarium for it. That's because I'm I'm after we moved, we only been living here for a bit over half a year. So uh, all my I, I I got it as a rescue in the old apartment, and I didn't have a big a space for a big uh, terrarium. So I put it in a rack, a big rack a box, just until I could build a bigger one. So hopefully in the next few months, I'm gonna build a whole wall also with big uh, terrariums for the big uh, arboreal snakes and stuff. So they, they, it's going to go into a big uh, enclosure with live plants and like all the other animals with isopods and all other stuff in the substrate because that's how I want it. Mm-hmm. The animals doesn't care as far as I know, but that's how I want it. Yeah. Now I, I see that's an enrichment for the animal. Do you have locality information or can you tell what locale is from or subspecies? It's uh, it's supposed to be an IJ, but as far as I know, it's supposed to be a Papuan now. 
<laughs> I don't know. It's it's just called an IJ. So I guess, but after people saying that there didn't come any animals out of IJ and, and there's nothing called that anymore, I think it's supposed to be called a pup when blue tongue skink without being sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if that goes for the blue tongues as well as the carpets that they brought in. But... I think it went from the same uh, importers and exporters back then, as far as I know. I think kind of at the end of the day, we don't know exactly where they're from. We can <laughs> we can tell like, hey, these all look the same. So, yeah. and it's cool because the the IJ blue tongue skink kind of has a similar coloration to the IJ carpet python or yeah. the popwin carpet python. <laughs> yeah. They're like you know usually reddish in coloration and stuff like that, which yeah. is interesting. Mine has a lot of yellow on it on the back. She's a really yeah, beautiful little girl, but she has a fat tail because she's been been fed too wrong. So yeah, she has like a really big fat ass, to be honest. <laughs> so, so only in one part of the the whole body doesn't get big, just the tail. No, she the body looks pretty normally not normal to me, but she was also on a diet when I got her. But the tail, the root root of the tail is pretty fat compared to she's a female. So she looks like a male on the on her, but. To try to say it in a nice way, but she is a girl. So, and is it possible that change with no. longer die or just it's done? Oh no! Oh, we lost him. It's, it's... Oh, he's coming back. Uh, yeah, I'm back. Okay. <laughs> so I forgot where we were. We're talking about the tail of the skink. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so putting it on a diet, will you see a reduction in the size of the tail and everything like that, as well as the body, or it kind of? I, I don't think so. I think I need to get her really, really thin before she will lose weight on her tail. Sadly, mm. so as long as her body is uh, normal, I don't put too much thought into the tail. As long as she's fit correctly from now on. And would you try to breed an animal like that? She was rented out to a friend of mine who has a male uh, last winter, and she's going to go back to him in November. And by when she's going to come back, I will have the new enclosure ready for her. So what happened last season? Where she got down to him a bit too late, so they didn't hibernate. So he just put them in a rain chamber together, and that didn't do the trick, sadly. He he was trying to copulate with her, but she didn't take it. But but when I got her, she was looking pretty fat. But after a month or something, she was just looking normal again. So we'll try again next winter and then hibernate them with the same temperatures and everything. So do you do a lot of breeding loans and sharing and passing around? I would like to do everything myself, but I'm in a situation where my only chances right now was with breeding loans without me needing to buy new animals. Uh, I have a Calico Amazon tree board who is also lended out for a, uh, a hookup right now for breeding loan, and hopefully he will get it done, but it's pretty hard to see on the Amazons. She went into a shed and stopped, to, stopped eating, so hopefully we'll see. Yeah, I think a lot of people here they may have somewhat of a seasonality with the amazons but it is mostly like just put them together and eventually yeah. they have babies yeah so is that when you, when you do a breeding loan do you pretty much just have to send it all year round or are you looking to go in the winter well as far as breeding we're trying to 
to uh, hibernate them in the winter and then breeding them in the spring. Uh, this, this with the Amazon, I just I, I drove down to the guy. I didn't know the guy, so I wrote a paper with like all the details about the breeding node. And I just went down there, talked with him. I ended up sitting there four hours and talking with the guy because he was Whoa. so nice. <laughs> Denmark is not that big. I can get from one end to the other one end in three hours. It's not that bad here. So if I see something I want, I'll just drive and get it. That's yeah. pretty nice. <laughs> and as far as Amazons, is it similar to what we see here? You have a lot of imports there or are there people working with captive bred stuff? Uh, in Germany, there's a lot of import stuff. Uh, as far as in Denmark, it's mostly captive bred animals you can find in Denmark. But it's so easy for people in Denmark to go to the expos in Germany to get the wildcard stuff. And there's also some people doing it, definitely. I was even thinking about buying a big wildcard female. But then again, I'd rather wait a year or two more to get my own captive bred female ready for it, just to be honest. I don't, I don't, I'm not so much into the wildcard stuff unless it's the only way I can get my animals. Mm -hmm. Now, are you... What? No, go. <laughs> Were you looking for any type of look with uh, the Amazon? And what do you have as far as phases go or phases in quotes, I guess? Oh, I have so many different things. Uh, the weird thing about me is uh, I like the, the dark colors and the brown colors a lot. Also with all the other animals. Uh, so I, I bought last uh, year ago, I bought a Halloween face and yellow one with a red stripe on the back. And it's not a tiger, but it looks like a tiger. And then I bought an, uh, an orange one with the, the black saddles on the side, those round ones on the side down there with yellow inside them. All babies, so I just I have to wait and see if they're gonna get all nice and colored up. And then my my biggest my two biggest one from 2016 is a paddleless yellow male, and then also a orange yellow looking females with those brown no, with the round black circles on the side. And, and then I have the calico, who's blended out. Ooh, so you do have some morphs over there that people are working with. Or morphs also, I can put that in quotations too, I guess. Because <laughs> uh, uh, no one knows well, how the fuck they work. <laughs> well, I, I really want the, the tiger. And then there's another one I was also looking at. I forgot the name of that one. But they're pretty expensive down in uh, Germany. So I haven't pulled the trigger on that yet because I have too many... I don't want to spend too much money without knowing that I will get it back later and somehow it's not it's, I don't have animals because of the money but I like to put it in cereal in, in cereal with my hobby so when when if the animals will breed and I'll get some money I'll buy the animals I want but if not I will not do it I'll just wait mm -hmm. now those those morphs are still expensive here in they the state are. obviously yeah. we're a little bit closer to Central America <laughs> where yeah. it's come from but how expensive would say a calico be there Oh, I got my down cheap because it's not proven. Uh, I gave 200 euros for my mail. I don't know how much that is in that's dollars. That's very cheap. Yeah, that's what I all say. And he's a full-grown male. That's about 230 US dollars. So, <laughs> uh, how much yeah. are you paying? How, yeah. how much, how you much is an, a rhino rat snake in uh, America? Oh, a rat snake? A lined rat a, snake? A Ryan Ratsnake. Oh, Rhino Ratsnake? Honestly, yeah. I'm not sure. Probably at least 500 bucks. Seriously? Yeah. How much is it there? <laughs> not that much. 
hundred dollars. The the first one I bought was like seventy uh, euros. Oh, oh my god! Okay, so it's about a hundred dollars. Oh my god! That's ridiculous. <laughs> Just let me know if you want me to export something <laughs> in America. It almost it would almost work out that way. If you bought enough of them, you could import them yeah. for less than you could get. I mean, there's I really. In- I know the importer, which we're normally sending with in uh, for America, he's taking 75 euros for for the first deal and then 50 euros per animals after that to get them sent, That's no matter so the cheap. size. Wow. So That's so know, cheap. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, wait, how much do you pay? How much are Calico ATBs here? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not oh, that okay. into that market, but I know that like tigers and stuff like that are like at least 500 bucks. And I, I may be off on that, but I don't know of many Amazon morphs that are, that are below under. like 300. The, the, the tiger here is around 400 or 500 euros. So I don't think that's too way off of yours. Okay. Yeah. Something's the same. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's a weird, I don't know exactly. The Amazon morphs are kind of weird with how they work. Yeah. Are you, how do you plan on going about uh, breeding the animals, how are you keeping them, all that stuff? The Amazons? Yeah. Right now, they're just in the, those cubes ones. Uh, I'm going to update them, upgrade them in the wintertime when I'm going to build the new ones. But they're also bioactive, and I'm just going to do the old-fashioned way, just throw them together and not doing anything about the temperature or anything. I'll maybe do some kind of food cycle with a lot of food, no food for some time, and not that much light, and then go crazy on the food and then throw them together, maybe something like that. That's my plan. That's a lot of people are doing it that way, as far as I understand. And now these are animals that I think for a long time we were feeding like once a week. I feed very sparingly my Amazon. Uh, how often do you feed yours, and what do you feed it? All my animals are not fit on a regular basis. Uh, some of my animals, the small ones, are getting once a week or once tenth day. And uh, some of my animals, sometimes I will go two to four weeks without feeding them just because I think that's a, a normal thing for them in the nature to not eat in a period of time if there's not food. Exactly. I don't think it's a good thing for all animals to have food in the stomach all the time, to be honest. And Amazons is, Amazon are active hunters. They will be out there in the nighttime and try to feed. So they also need to move around and not just be fed all the time and laying in a corner. Mm-hmm. Now, these are kind of weird how they perch and they kind of get themselves in yeah. weird positions. So like, what do you do to kind of allow them the space to do what they got to do or do whatever they want? I have everything I can put in there of sticks <laughs> and branches and stuff. They're just like all the way around and looking crazy. My aviariums and then the plants are just growing up in fruit, all the branches and stuff. So the snakes are just laying in there and sometimes they're laying in the, in the cold corner in the background and stuff. So, but every night I can go in there and they will be out laying or crawling around in them. That's what ours is in Iraq right now. I'm hoping over time we but can get it But like it has like perches with like green yeah. fencing or whatever. Like, yeah, that's just... what I would. That's what I would use for babies when I'm gonna get them going. Hopefully. Ours yeah, so I think small. that that's that's something to take into account. Is that like things like green like green trees? I think do really well in tubs in the beginning and then they need to be a certain size to move them up or else they do bad um the amazons i don't think i mean it doesn't really i think they thrive pretty much no matter what you do to them but definitely i know a guy down in uh 
Oh, is it German or not? There's a page called Advanced Hepsological Husbandry on Facebook. And he just wrote in a whole litter of Amazons in a big term, like, oh, how much is that? Like, in feet, like five or six feet long, and then six, uh, three feet or four feet high. And you just, lot of, lots of plants, you just throw in the whole litter. And he's just feeding them as he finds them. Oh. That was working fine for him. Yeah, I mean, we have, um, there's a pet store-ish, like a reptile specialty pet store, but they have like a bioactive enclosure about the same size with the trees and stuff in it. And they have two Amazon or two, what am I talking about? Emerald tree boas in there, a male and a female. They stay separate and then they bred in the winter and everything, had babies and they just kind of stay out of their way at some times and go breed it. I think... Um, cohabbing for a long time was very, very, very frowned upon. And now yeah. it seems like if you're allowed the space That's for the, the animals to get, space. yeah, to go away from each other, it seems just fine as long as you can find a reasonable way to feed them. Yeah, definitely. But that's the hard thing about a burial snake. They'll really hold on to the woods and stuff in there, so it's hard to get them away from each other if you want to eat, feed them. So, but I also, I'm also going to cohab some of my big ones in the future, but I will not do it year round for the female's sake. I'll, I will probably do a female every second year. I don't think I'll breed them every year when, it, when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So. so since we kind of talked about, you brought up pet stores again, reminded oh, me. Um, so yeah, what's your hatred of pet stores about? Oh, I don't think I don't know if I have a hatred hit, on them. I bought my first snakes from my pits pits shop. So did like everyone, but, but yeah. But as in America, most people actually standing there and try to sell you the animals don't know freaking shit about them. Okay. And that's the same thing happening in Denmark every time. And Denmark is so small country, so everyone knows the shop name because they're like all over the country and stuff. So when people are but that's what they told me in there. And we just sitting and try to like, you don't, that's the stupid way to do it. Do it, do it this way or this way, this way. There's not only one way to do things, but there's a many ways way. to do it wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's... That, oh. I was hoping it, pet stores it, were better over there. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say. Sadly, sadly, no. There's a few that's good with the people that's actually passionate about what they're doing. But then there's the like the mainstream one where they also have like... Uh, big ones where there's normally plants and aquarium fish and they have like a small reptile section because that's what they need to have. And they don't always know any, everything about what they're doing, but they got a new law in, uh, in Denmark and you actually need to have a animal educa- education of caretaker to actually work with the animals now there. So hopefully we'll get better in the future. I think it's hard even to get, an educated person who's educated in the way to actually keep the animals from when even we see it in Petco and PetSmart here, which is our yeah. big box stores. It's the frowned upon pet stores that everyone yeah. knows about. Right. <laughs> and so like they have veterinarians that do actually go to the stores, check out what's going on and okay. talk to the people who are keeping them and educate. But the veterinarians don't know what the fuck they're <laughs> doing really because <laughs> they'll keep it just like, the pet store just would. like yeah, the pet store would things. like back in the day they don't necessarily yeah. have the knowledge from people like breeders or hobbyists that have been or even zoological facilities that have been keeping these forever they just kind of they're still with the like status quo of stuff and then you also have a 16 year old 
who's making like $8 an hour. And like, of course, he's not going to be great at telling people what it is because he needs to know about fish, about this, about he's just trying yeah. to get a job and get through high school or some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, do you, so is it, uh, you have basically your own form of Petco and PetSmart in Denmark? That's what it seems. Yeah, something like that, I would say, yes. Uh, we have one called Tentorama, and it's, that's the one that's getting the most hatred. And it's just basically they built their franchise on, on plants. So you can go there, buy all kinds of plants you want, outside, indoor, exotic, all this stuff. And then they started to have like a pound area with like goldfishes and stuff. And then they got like normal fishes and then they got the birds and then they got the rabbits and they have everything now, also reptiles. So it's a bit sad that they're doing stuff without knowing what they're doing. I really don't like that stuff. Yeah. So what are they doing this new law to educate people? Like who's doing the educating? Do you know? Now we, we have a few special schools in uh, Denmark about animal caretakers. So you need to have a degree in doing it. And while you're taking this uh, education, you're actually working with a lot of animals. And I know a few friends of mine who's actually doing this and working with uh, dangerous snakes now and crocodiles and stuff. That's but how cool. many of those people that are doing these educations will actually go work in a pet shop, to be honest? Not that many because it's a really bad paid job. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. even at this point, even working at a zoo, at least here in the States, is a bad paying job. It's only, you can only do it with your passion. It's your passion who is paying it, as far as I can yeah. say. And I mean, here, the issue is that you get in like $50,000 worth of student loan debt just to go to school. <laughs> So I don't know. If, I'm sure the education system in Denmark is better, different hopefully. and probably it's perfect better. here. It's perfect. It's for <laughs> it's free. College free. Yeah. You it's for free, and you and you and you and you're actually getting money for taking that education. <sighs> See here, you they like to set you up to fail essentially um, because yeah. your education costs more than a house, and yeah. and how are you going to buy a house? How are you going to get a job that's good enough? to just get you out of the hole that you started in as far as that's the a whole debt. different Holy subject shit. it's not but, good. but then again in how much you're not paying so big taxes in america as compared as denmark we like pay we are paying almost half of our salary as in texas but we have free health care system and free school and all right. these other so good things it goes somewhere it's like where do you yeah. want it also it works on a small scale in denmark but i think it's hard to make the system work with so many people here and i i agree that's also yeah. one of the f things why i think so many animals are a bit ex more expensive expensive in america you have way more customers to animals compared to in denmark and europe yeah, because there's just a market here with a lot more yeah. people willing to buy animals. So the demand is higher and the supply yeah. isn't necessarily. It depends what you're working with. But if you're working with yeah. ball pythons or something, you may have a supply issue here because everyone's doing <laughs> that. But yeah. So I actually wanted to ask about that kind of going back to the ham show. We talked about it a little bit. But I feel like we didn't really get into it. So at the ham show, is it 90% ball pythons? It's 20% ball pythons, 15% boa constrictors, 20% leopard geckos, 
20% crystal geckos, and then all the rest <laughs> is all the geeky stuff. That's awesome. Why can't ours be like that? <laughs> but when I'm going there, down there, I think there's like a thousand meters of uh, tables with sellers uh, and stuff like that. So you can't you can't see everything down there because there's so many people and it's Just getting huge. oh it's getting over 90 Fahrenheit in the middle of the crowd, and oh, it's so geez. bad air in there. So you you need to get in, get what you need, and get out normally. Oh, so it's not even fun, like. <laughs> The hustle is fun. The hustle is fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm normally going because of uh, the people I'm meeting before and after, and on the on the drive there we have so much geek geekiness going on, like talks and stuff. We were out uh, eating with a couple of British people that we uh, know that we got to know over a couple of years, and the guy, we uh, the old guy, which one of the friends I went with, know pretty well. He's 72 years old, and he's an old importer from. Uh, from uh, England, and uh, he he had a and he still goes to all the shows. He he still goes, and he came with a bunch of papers of import papers, and the first the oldest one I could find was was from '69, <sighs> and it was like twelve foot uh, retex, twenty five dollars, and uh, <laughs> oh my god, cobras twelve dollars. Oh he also he also told about uh, him buying and 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 lion, and that was four hundred dollars. A lion? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? He, he has some crazy stories. He also, the, the, one of the most crazy ones I have heard is uh, he, uh, he ordered uh, 20 or 40, I don't remember the number, one of those ones, uh, Salvatore monitors, the water monitor. And he forgot to say which size he wanted them. So when he got there, he was just expecting babies and he got the monsters. Imagine getting that into your van. Oh my god! <laughs> I think things were just so crazy back then. I mean, I couldn't they bought, imagine they bought any, everything that could. Get. I mean, just bought a lion. Like, I'm so glad that the internet didn't exist, or else reptiles would be banned immediately with people with king cobras Definitely. in precarious situations. But yeah. that's insane. <laughs> that's awesome. You were going to say something? No, but I lost it. I feel like I have more questions I want to ask about ham, but I can't think of them. So what do you guys do, like, as far as do you all carpool, like, the day before, or how does that work? And who would you go we, with? We, I went with uh, uh, a lot of uh, Danish geeks. Uh, two of them is breeding uh, hog noses, and one, one of them is breeding hog nose and corn snakes. Uh, I don't know. You'll probably know him if you're on the hog nose size. He's called Lesser Carlson. I'm not even sure what you said. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> There's a guy called Lesser Carlson. Lesser, Lesser Carlson. Carlson. Yeah. He's pretty known in, uh, for hog noses, even in America. He's sending a lot of animals over there. That's one of the guys I'm going with. I've been knowing, I know, I've been knowing this guy for maybe the last 10 years, if not more. So I'm going with that guy. He's one of my really good friends, same age as me, but he's like breeding those 100, 200 hawk noses every year. So I, I'm picking his brain every time because he knows so much about hibernation and feed cycles and all this stuff. And then the fourth person we have in the car, he's just, uh, he's an upcoming keeper. He, uh, he got a lot of animals, different ones like me, and then he sold them all because he moved into a new apartment where he couldn't have the animals. 
So he oh, just yeah. went down a split because of uh, for the fun. I forgot to ask that. Are you technically allowed to keep all these in your apartment? I am. Luckily, I have on my on my. Uh, what do you call it? The, on the lease. paper of yeah, on the lease. Yeah, I can have one house pet. And <laughs> yeah, and he's sleeping over there in the corner. My stupid cat, but I love him. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, if it, it needs to say it specifically in the in the contract, if you're not allowed to have fishes and reptiles and birds and stuff, it needs to say that specifically. And it doesn't say it, says that in mine, so I just have it without saying it. Because normally, if you say it, you will get in trouble. Ah, oh, so a little loophole is what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just be responsible, and careful. Is yeah. there are there city ordinances also uh, against large constrictors and stuff like that? Oh yeah, oh, the Danish. I like the laws and somehow in Denmark, but then again, I would love to keep the Burmese pythons and stuff because that's one of my big one love, big what, big loves. But we can't have the Burmese, the rock pythons, the reticulated, the anaconda, and I think that's the constrictors we can't have. And then we can't have anything venomous. We can have like the hog noses and the baroni and the mangrove snakes but not anything more dangerous than that mm-hmm. interesting i mean it it makes sense that's like our stricter states here in america like new york would be a place where that's totally on par we live in pennsylvania where it's like do what you want but uh, <laughs> that has its own its own problems I see i don't understand that thing with retics i feel like if you have the space you should be allowed to keep it but I think it's also promoted very heavily here in America that you put a 20-foot retic in a 6-foot cage and everything's good. And that's just kind of weird to me. It doesn't make much sense like on paper. If you put it on paper, you're like, twenty feet, uh, what's going on? So I don't know. How would you keep a giant constrictor like that? And for your animals that mostly have like bioactive enclosures, this is an animal that would like tear up everything always uh, i think the, the big ones also my warmer pisces I'm, I'm keeping them very simple because that's what works when you have a messy snake and a bigger snake because it will move around everything so a big one i will just i will probably do like uh, i'm gonna name a guy right now you don't like but he's building something i like and uh-huh. his, his name is brian <laughs> I, I would, something like that he built for his retic i would build for mine i would yeah. never put them in a big box in the corner or in a bad place where they couldn't get to fresh water. If it's a retake, I'll half of the enclosure I will probably make as a water just for it to go there and soak because that's the natural behavior of them. Mm-hmm. I would never keep them crammed up in a little box. You would never keep know. him how he keeps all the other ones. <laughs> I don't agree with everything he does, but some things I can agree with, but it's not everything. But that's how it is with most people. Yeah, I mean, you feel good about you having your animals. Yeah, and there is a certain fiscal responsibility you have to take. take. I mean, there's just a way that, I mean, there's a reason why we keep corn snakes because there's just a fiscal responsibility to housing things that are large and feed on things that are large. But we're getting way off topic of the ham thing. We should. (laughs) There's a way to bring it back. So that person you spoke of does a little bit of wholesaling. And is there a lot of wholesaling at ham? Are there big wholesalers that kind of everyone knows not to really buy from them or kind of like that? 
You don't have to like name a name. No, no, I'm, just, I'm just thinking. I, I know, I know a few big wholesalers, and I know a few importers. Uh, everyone is doing, as far as my knowledge, their best work as they can. I don't know more about the husbandry of their animals more than what they're showing on pictures. And there's a few names in in the game which you're not normally buying from because you don't know if you're getting the animal you got the pictures of or if you're getting a bad animal. But that's all over the world as far as I know. Some people are just fucked up, to say it yeah. honestly. In Denmark, if you if you screw up one deal, everyone will know it because it's such a small country. So people tend not to do stupid stuff here. Yeah. Because then sense. if you're doing it, you're not in the hobby after two years because no one wants to deal with you. Mm. How is like the facility at Ham? I don't know if you've been to any of our shows over here or how it compares to... I'm I'm watching a lot of YouTube's uh, YouTube videos. I, I like to watch uh, Dave Kaufman's videos because mm-hmm. I really enjoy him talking and stuff. And I enjoy the way your expos and shows are going because it it's for me it seems more like a show than what it is here where, where I'm used to be. Here it's just uh, lots of tables and maybe uh, some uh, what do you call it blanket over it or something, and then you just have animals in plastic boxes and you have 10 different boxes and you don't have a banner or anything you're just standing there oh, wow. and, yeah it, it isn't, doesn't look as nice as what I'm used to see over from your side so I'm trying to do it as far as best as I can do but I'm also feeling a bit weird by standing with banners and stuff when no one else is doing it <laughs> you're the only one yeah yeah uh, it is kind of we set up this standard and also we have companies that make these things specifically for, for our shows. shows and stuff like yeah. that. So I feel like it's easier for us to transition over. But I'm sure, I mean, do you vend a lot of shows and do you vend them mostly in the country? Do you do ham or are you doing all the under the tables at ham? Uh, so, so start in Denmark. Uh, there is around eight expos in Denmark a year. So it's pretty often, to be honest, compared to it being such a small country. And I'm probably going to half of them, if not more, because uh, that's one of my ways to get away from home and meet up with friends and stuff. And normally I'm going for the expos. I have a table. I'm normally going for the before and after, because that's where I talk with all the other vintners and having a good time. Uh, I don't think I enjoy the craziness of people coming and asking stupid questions so much, <laughs> but I will put up with it. And I, but I like to see the small kids coming and uh, really being passionate about and coming with some valuable questions and trying to learn actually, instead of the stupid growing up people that are just going there and saying, yeah, too expensive and then moving on. <laughs> if it's too expensive, move on. Don't say it. I'll come with a bit. <laughs> Come with a price on the animal if you want to buy it. Don't say it's too expensive. Because a lot of the animals are selling in Denmark, I'm selling them 30% cheaper in Denmark than what I would normally do in Germany. Really? Yeah. The market in Denmark is getting uh, closed pretty fast with all the animals there's to come in. Yeah, I mean, I bet you can you can have a few clutches of a certain animal and that's just too much yeah. for... Your, I'm gonna, your, I'm gonna, I'm gonna compare an animal right now. How much is a a normal Borneo blood short tail python in America? Um, a normal Borneo would probably be like seventy five bucks, maybe. Seventy five bucks, okay. Um, I bought a bunch of them for twenty five euros each. <laughs> Were they imports? <laughs> no, or... 
have to bread. They just yeah, I don't they think here the last five years. Twenty five. They not. That's insane. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, so, so twenty five years is like thirty dollars. Yeah, I mean, do you? Is it... I, they have a hard time selling them in Denmark for that price. <laughs> that's too high. What? Yeah. So that's is it hard to work with the obscure species? Uh, I don't think it's hard. It just it depends on how you are as a person and if you're willing to put in the effort and time to do it. I'm spending one to two hours in my animal room every day almost. Some days I'm not going in there at all because I can do a lot of things that I only need to do every second day. But I'm normally spending a lot of hours in there every day. Um, and if I would breed the, the weird stuff that is not coming, I would not be able to sell them in Denmark. And they would be gone in a heartbeat in America, without a doubt. Because you have the hardcore geeks over at your place. Yeah, I mean, we just have more of us, though, too. <laughs> yeah, like, that's, 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 that's the thing. Yeah, so are you? is that kind of part of why you also keep a lot of different things? Because if you just make, if you make a shit ton of pink tongue skinks, then you're just you're gonna have to sell them for so cheap that it may not be worth it or it may not be worth it for the animal as far as you know people pay a certain amount and then they respect the snake more i feel that i don't know if that makes any sense but if you buy a 15 dollars snake versus a 400 dollars snake the 400 dollars snake even though it was more expensive will probably be taken care of better because the person has yeah more respect. and that's that's a wrong thing, in my opinion. If you're going to go buy a ball python for, let's say, $25, and you're going to buy this expensive uh, mystic potion something for $500,000 or something like that, it needs the same care. It needs the same things all the time. Same uh, spot cleaning, same water, all the things. Don't keep your animals different on the price tag, in my opinion. Well, I think it just I brings two different keepers. I don't think the same person I'm talking about the person who just buys the uh, cheapest yeah, snake yeah. They, they can find in comparison to someone who tries to find a quality animal or a rare animal. Or Yeah, in Denmark, we have a problem with keepers buying animals and they don't want to pay about the enclosure and stuff. They want that things as cheap as possible instead of buying what's will enrich your animal and do the best you can do. We have that here save too. On those things. Yeah, yeah if, if the snake costs $20, they want everything else to cost $20 also. Yeah. Like, they think somehow it should go hand in hand, the enclosure and the cost of the yeah. snake. And it's most, most of the time when people ask for a discount or something, it's like, okay, or I wait until Friday when I get paid and I'll give you the money. Then it's like, I know that that person can't afford to house the animal correctly or do any of that because I don't sell expensive snakes myself. Right. I sell pretty cheap snakes. And they're asking uh, for more deals. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's... Yeah. It's, a, it's a weird game, <laughs> right? It, it is, it is, it is. And it's hard to to be fair against all people because, of course, you want everyone to be able to have these animals because they're so nice to have and different. And you don't, it's not a pet, in my opinion. It's it's a hobby animal. So it's just, yeah, now I got out of it. Uh, <laughs> what I was trying to get to. Uh what well, we, we we've about? been trying to go for ham, but we're not doing great. Well, <laughs> we get all these other ideas popping in our head. People in the chat are asking, what does a normal ball, ball python go for? Uh, 
50 crowns and that's is in 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 euros 50 crowns would be under 10 euros so that's like seven euros seven euros for a normal one yeah that's uh seven dollars and 75 (laughs) cents which is really um (laughs) in mine that's insane seven (laughs) dollars A lot of people are using them as uh, food for monitors and stuff here because they're breeding too many. I was gonna say, I mean, you that you're better off feeding that almost than, I mean, selling it. Uh, or I like if really people have friend. things like king cobras, you know. Uh, I have a good, really good friend of mine. He only have maybe like thirty uh, breeding breeders, females of ball pythons, and he's probably making those two hundred babies a year. He's only keeping everything. There's two genes. If there's single or none at all he's normally selling them for maybe under two euros a piece just as food well known wow. it's gonna be food because he doesn't want them to screw up his market yeah i mean you can flood your market and then all your animals are that cheap you gotta get those issue. out <sighs> damn that's insane <laughs> different world yeah yeah Have well you- then again it happens here too not to that level no, not yet. It's, it's it, go, it might be. go there. We're, I mean, our ball pythons are what, 20, 25 for a You normal? can find one for 15, 10, depends how desperate the person is. Okay. Um, I had one of my other good friends I was talking about, I was driving it to, to Ham. He's breeding a lot of uh, corn snakes, and he also had maybe like, let's say, 50 normals or ML, like single genes. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he sold all those 50 for probably. 50 euros or less or something like that. You Just sold 25 for, animals for 50 euros? Something like that or more for cheap. I don't know. It was really goddamn cheap. It was down in like nothing for one animal. He just sold them to a guy who's going to use them as food for king cobras. Yeah. I mean, that's where we're in that position where if I made normals or single genes, I wouldn't know what the hell to do with them. Yeah. Um, that's why I can't. Uh, yeah, it I can't make them. It doesn't make sense them. for us to make them. Like Definitely no. But we have enough it's, ingredients. It's too much hard work. I'm trying to sell one snake to five dollars or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, especially to try to get them feeding and everything. Like, yeah. there's a certain amount of effort that goes into Man, it. I mean, like, it's shipping. Shipping's you know three times the cost of the snake. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, we need. I don't know if you have a similar cost as far as shipping with that courier service or. Um, in Denmark, we don't have couriers at all. You're not allowed to send animal with males or anything. Uh, you are allowed to send the invertebrates. That's the only thing. Um, so Denmark is also small, as I said. So people are normally just driving around just driving or meeting in. up at the next expo because it's like every second month there's an expo. And people are coming from all over Denmark to the expo, so you can always find someone that can take your animal for you for cheap. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to America? <laughs> never, never. And I will go there one day. I have a, I have a dream about going to California and find the uh, rosy boars in the nature. That's I the, don't. Yeah. And that would be different. Down in the, yeah. You'll have to go to Florida, Texas, and California, <laughs> and Arizona. And I mean, really, we take it for granted because we live here. But all throughout this country, there's so many different, different species and different ecosystems. It's kind of, uh, it's not comparable to Australia, but I think it's the closest thing, maybe yeah. next to it. 
in Denmark, we have two different kinds of nature, na native snakes, and we have three kinds of lizards and five types of salamanders, I think. So we, doesn't, we don't have that many. I can find them all in one or two days only in the summertime. <laughs> Yeah, so we're definitely spoiled. Even if even if you're not in the most like hospitable environment for reptiles, there's still multiple species to yeah. to check out. Have have you done any herping? Or obviously you're out there looking for snails, but have you traveled at all and done any herping? My my last uh, my we went home to visit my girlfriend's parents in Latvia in the in the summertime. So I spent one whole day in their. What do you call it? The the national park, there, and uh, they have three kinds of species of snakes there, and they were supposed to be the third kind there, which I haven't seen before in my life. And I only see it on the table in ham, but that doesn't count in my opinion. <laughs> I went there, spent a the whole day. I think I got over a hundred mosquito bites. It was well worth it in the end. I didn't find the the third snake I really wanted to see, but I think I found. 20 or 30 of uh, the common grass snakes there and I got a lot of good pictures of them on my phone and I found a few frog species we don't have in Denmark either so I think it was a good trip so yeah see that automatically we, that 100 like, bites done that would be like us finding just garter snakes and we'd be like screw this yeah. that's it <laughs> I don't <worry> that <laughs> well I'm, I think every time I'm seeing a reptile or amphibian I'm, 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 I'm like, like a little kid inside again because I, I want to pick that up if I can or else I just take a bunch of pictures of it and that's yeah. no matter if, if I've seen it five days in a row I'll still do it <laughs> Um, okay, well, I have to go, unfortunately, because I have to go babysit. But um, I already want to say that we need to have him back on because I feel like there's still so many like questions we have about how it works on the other side of the world. <laughs> um, but thank you for coming on, and Joe, we'll still talk to you. Joe, <laughs> no good, good exit. What do you mean? All right, I'll see you later. Okay, bye. In like a week. Oh, whatever. yeah, we won't see each other for a week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> So she's just leaving and you're not going to see your girlfriend for a week. Yeah. I mean, that's... I don't have... You're looking at me like I can hear what he's saying. <laughs> oh, oh, he just said you're just leaving and you're not, and I'm not going to see you for a week. Yeah, I'm going to go... Baby, I'm literally going to someone's house for six days to watch their teenagers. <laughs> so. Yeah, so she'll just go to, like, work and then to their house and work in their house. Yeah. Oh, it's not yeah. a thing that happens often, but... Okay, I, I would be super sad it. if my girlfriend went away so much. Oh, no, it doesn't happen very often. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but podcasts. So <laughs> the the ham show, like, what is it like? Like, we usually have our shows in, like, pretty nice convention centers, and there'll sometimes be talks and stuff like that. Is it similar to that? Uh, the ham is a pain in the butt, uh, but that's because there's there's probably let's say hundred, if not two hundred thousand of people going every year there. So, and there's probably getting exchange more than hundred thousand of euros every year there. So many people there, and it's basically it's just it's it's not even one building. It is one building, but it's not only one hall. There's two halls there is two tents connected to the building where you can go out in there's heated it's it's so crazy down there and it's just like tables 
with uh, two meters between them, and you can't. It's hard to get through all those people there. But how many vendors are there as a whole? Do you think? I can figure out if you want me to. I have. A, I have the. They put. They're giving you a. Uh, not a flyer, but like a little book every time it's opening with all the tables numbers and all the venting numbers. I can go grab it if you want, where I can see it. But it's. I'll think there'd be like two or three hundred vendors probably. Mm. Yes, yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. And do you see like people from? I know people from the U.S. go there, and obviously yeah. from all over Europe. Um, in uh, in in March, I was down there. I met a guy which I wrote. I've been. I've been riding with him a few years back when I was working a lot with Sandbars. And I met him down there. And I, back in the days, I said to him, if you're ever going to go to Ham on Europe, fucking hit me up. And he didn't hit me up. And I just found him in the crowd. I was like, Steve Tillis, you little nerd. Why didn't you tell me you were going? <laughs> he was like all confused because he's never seen me in real life before. He's like, uh, uh, uh. oh, we didn't tell anyone because then they all wanted to meet up with me. I was like, I understand. But nerd. So popular. Yeah, <laughs> he's a great guy. He's doing some really good work, and I, I like that guy. Yeah, I think we were gonna have him on the talk blood pythons or something. We yeah. need to hit him up, or and I know he's been to Africa and all that cool yeah. stuff. Yeah, he's a cool dude. So, what do you do as far? I know you mentioned like dinners and stuff like that. Are there talks at the show, and or you uh, just hang out after? Well. There's no talks at the show, and it's normally just get in, get out business. And uh, but there's a really nice restaurant really close to it where all the trades are normally happening outside of the expo, and where people are going to eat after. And we were sitting there, twelve Danish people, and eating it in the middle of the show just to get some energy. And then we normally we normally leaving before the show is over, just because then it's easier with the traffic to get away. No talks of this. I don't know if when you had Casper on, he's he's doing something called Scandinavian Hepsological Symposium. And that's where there's coming uh, Ari Flegen, or what he's called with the Bolin. He's coming to have a speak there at this symposium. So there's coming seven people from uh, across the world and uh, a few Danish people to have a talk there. So that's in two weeks from now, as far as I know. So I'm also going to go to that. That's awesome. So it's kind of like we have, uh, those are usually more here, like the uh, IHS type of thing or the different venomous symposiums, more of like a, uh, what would you call it? Like an educational thing, not you're going to bring animals there to sell. Well, are you talking about the show or the, what's your... Casper, what Casper's going to uh, talk at. Casper, that's only going to be a symposium with talks. There's a few people there uh, throwing in a bunch of money to get it uh, going and stuff and getting it started up, which will have uh, a table there to sell some if, if in, uh, equipment. And there's also going to be a bookshop there so you can buy the books of the people that are having the talk so you can get it signed and stuff. That's what that's going to be about uh, only. And then there's a guy in Denmark who started to do uh, expos and he put in a new thing with doing presentation or talks at the show while the show was going on. But there's only like 30 or 40 people going to hear these. So I don't know if it will be such a common thing in, in the Danish reptile expos. Yeah. What do you feel is like, what's your ideal thing to happen with the hobby or what direction would you want the hobby to go towards? Not necessarily even just where you are or in general. 
Oh, that's a hard question because I don't know. I just I just want the the obscure animals that's not that common in the hobby to get their start in the hobby. I would like to see some more passionate geeks and not passionate breeders. Some uh, hardcore geeks that will actually dig into a lot of things and knows a lot of things about a lot of things. I have a friend. I can just hit him up and say, I'm thinking about buying this or this because I have it on an import list. Is it a good thing to buy? And is this guy a good thing? guy to buy from and he can tell me all the crazy stupid stuff and yeah it's okay to buy here this guy is okay and this guy was sitting in a prison in australia back in the 90s for trying to steal animals down there and stuff so so it's pretty in in europe we know who everyone is and we can figure out everything about everyone pretty fast how do animals get from australia to germany to the ham show how does that happen I don't think that can happen without you doing something illegal. <laughs> I'm just wondering. I haven't heard a lot of crazy stories. I'm probably not supposed to tell them on this show because it's involved a few things. Uh, but I've been hearing about people putting, uh, or what you call those, the, the really uh, endangered, endangered skink species down in uh, Australia. What is that called? Oh, what the, the only one I can think of. What is it? I didn't say anything. Um, the only one, I don't think it's endangered, but it's very expensive here would be the shingleback skink. I know it's very yeah, hard to get here. That, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm thinking about. I have heard stories about Danish people going there back in the 90s to 2000, putting them in cardboard boxes and shipping them to Denmark. Oh, that's, so you guys, you uh, bastards. I haven't done it and I would never do it because that's, uh, I would rather pay the amount of money to get the real animals with the papers on it. So, because if you don't have the papers and you breed the animals, then you need to make fake papers on your babies. And that's an hustle here. You can't really do that. Oh, so you need to, you need some type of proof that they're captive born or yeah. even if you have animals, because here, once they're here, it doesn't matter. It's the importation process. We, we have all the, the Citus and stuff, Citus 1, Citus 2 with the European species and stuff. So if you don't have these papers and the people are coming to check your animal, they will take your animal, go with, to them to a zoo with them, and you will not see them again. Hmm. And I also I have mean... stories about people ha taking, uh, taking the Burmese and reticulated pythons, and they need to pay a big fine about having these animals if they figure it out, the state. And you can actually also get told you're not allowed to have any animals the next five years. I mean, it, it makes sense, but I mean, that's yeah. where we have, I mean, things like Fiji iguanas, we can't have Fiji iguanas. And... Oh, you can't. I, no. I know this guy in Denmark who's breeding them all every year. That's what's really... weird. Like, even in Canada, you can have them. I don't know why yeah. we're, we're very specific about the Fiji iguana, but you guys, is that like normal to see there? Well, it's only normal to see because we have one really picky about them he um he's called kenneth he's breeding he's, he's probably been breeding half of the ones there's in europe right now he's probably making 20 30 babies a year they're not that common in denmark besides what he has but they're really he's selling a lot of them in europe outside of denmark because they're also pretty expensive i thought Thai park had them in california fiji's no no Thai park's in in florida but oh, he yeah, florida, yeah. about everything but the fijis i would say okay um at least from what i know of um 
but he does have some iguana, just crazy iguanas that I didn't know existed yeah. and animals that you can keep outside basically in Florida, which is just crazy. Yeah. I would love to be able to keep my animals outside year round. That would be my perfect situation to be honest. There seems to be like some people really hate the idea of having the animals outside and some people really love it. So, I mean, it seems like people don't like the fact that, I mean, Tom Crutchfield keeps like retics outside and stuff like that and all the snake species. People seem to be against keeping snakes outside, but don't mind the lizards outside for some reason. Uh, to, to be honest, I would, I would, I, I would keep everything outside if I could. Uh, it just depends on how well you're building the enclosures and stuff, in my opinion. So if you're building it correctly without being able to uh, destroy your fa fauna with escaped animals, I don't see uh, why not to do it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Maybe you'll have to... In Denmark, we, we, we will not have those uh, parasites and stuff you have in America. We only have a few things that can hit them, and we'll be able to remove those quite easily because they're not that dangerous here. I think the move is that you keep them outside and then they lay eggs and then you hatch them and then you keep the babies inside. At least that's what I would do just to make yeah, sure we'll that probably like, also they're clean. That, yeah, at least also to get the babies going because I could imagine they are pretty, pretty hard to get going outside if it's going to be too much different temperatures in day and night time and stuff. But I'm, I, I can only compare it to Denmark if I would do it here. I would only keep European species outside here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could probably keep stuff like that are in our climate here in the Northeast. I mean, you could keep yeah, like a black uh, rat snake outside if you really probably. want to. I also think that uh, a lot of corn snakes and uh, some of the king snakes could probably also survive in Denmark year-round, but yeah, that if we don't have them. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, um, what do you look forward to getting into in the future if there is anything? Is there a particular species that you look forward to or you want? Oh, there's a lot of things I'm trying to get that I can't get my hands on uh, without it being imports. And I'm trying not to get the imports when I know there is captive bread out there. So I'm just waiting for it to show up. But I would like to get more of the Corallus species in my care. I'm not so big fan of the Caninus, but the Betis eye, the annulated, and uh, the Rosenberg eye, I would really love to have those in my collection. And hopefully it will happen one day. But... I'm also really enjoying the smaller animals like under a meter or around a meter. So there's those ones called Kuri snakes, if you know those ones. Kukri? Kuri. Yeah, Kukri, yeah. what do you call them? Yeah. They're, they kind really of, like... Are they, um, they kind of look like a cat eyed or boiga of some sort? or? Uh, the one I have right now looks like a uh, milk snake. It's red, uh, black, and yellow, but it has some really big uh, scales on its head and it has some crazy, crazy teeth. Or I'm trying to figure out what it is, but um, it's called Oligodon on Scientific. I can find a picture, but I don't know how well it will show on the the camera. Yeah, because I feel like I've heard of them, but I can't place them. No, it's it's definitely not a common snake to keep at all. I think they're a bit more common in uh, Europe than in uh, America, as far as I know right now. See if this will show. Yeah. Oh. It's a Malaysian uh, species. There's also yes. some species in uh, China and Vietnam and stuff. 
Is that, I mean, uh, I usually see people who keep like the, um, the cave dwelling rat snakes and the Thai bamboo stuff and all that Asian stuff. And I've seen yeah. those as well. Um, so those are hard to get where you are or just in Europe in general? No, or... no, 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 no. Oh, okay. Uh, the the coxie and the bamboo is pretty common. I'm only, the only reason why I'm not doing this is because the reptile room I have right now, I think it's getting too hot in the nighttime as far as I would go down with them because they really like the low temperature by nighttime and in the wintertime. So one day when I will have a bigger house or something and I have a basement, I would probably have them in the basement. But right now, I need to put in my situation. I don't want to buy animals and need to get rid of them later if, it's, if I don't need to. So I will probably get them one day, but they're, they're readily available here and not that expensive, to my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those ones I, I want to get, I can't really get them anywhere here. Yeah, they're pretty expensive, the other ones. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you can only keep so many things that are kept differently. Like... Yeah. Like, especially with the, the Asian species, I can't get a lot of them because I keep my room at, like, ambient 80 degrees. Yeah. So, like, there's only so much you can do as far as, obviously, you move them around rooms and everything like that. But, I mean, it must be hard, man, to keep all these things in one spot. It's, it takes a lot of time. It's not so much the space. It's more the, the different caretaking of all animals. It's not just one thing I need to do every day. It's like multiple different things I need to do and different food items. And some animals need to get fed every second day and some need to get fed once a week or more or something like that. So it's all, it's all the time compared to if I just had one species, I could just have like a rhythm with going every second or third day into my room, spot clean, water, food, boom, down, out. I, have, I, need to, I need to water my terrariums every second day and I need to feed my isopods every second day and I'm feeding my lizards every second to third day and the snakes every week till two weeks normally. <laughs> so it's just always something new to do, but that's also what I'm enjoying about what I'm doing. It's not just the same all the time. I have something new to see every day I'm going in and some animals are sleeping, some animals are active and one, sometimes I'm going up, messing around in the terrarium and they're just coming out like... Or is it food today? No, it's not food today. And then they're going back away. Sorry. <laughs> now, with the bioactive, I'm not too well versed on how it works. Are you doing like the layers of uh, like drainage and stuff like that? How do you set up your bioactive? I'm not going as crazy as, as, as the hardcore geeks are going because I think sometimes if you put too much effort into stuff like that, it will not pay out as well as if it just was simple. Sometimes the simple solution is the best answer, in my opinion, with a lot of the animals. So I'm just doing one layer of uh, organic soil and then mix it with uh, bark and uh, leaves. Uh, and then I'm just putting in the plants and isopods and then, then, then it's just going by itself because the water will take down some of the pee and the, the toilet parts down its substrate and the plants will get the, some uh, energy from that and the isopod will eat the rest and they will eat the shit. So for me, it's, it's just working out. It's like its own like, little uh, micro habit. Mm-hmm. Uh, how often do you have to do a full sweep of everything? Like totally uh, change the substrate and isopods and everything? I haven't done that in, in that since I made the first one in 2016. I haven't done a major clean out. I have only removed 
bigger toilet parts or shits or <laughs> trying to say it in a nice way. No, you can um, say shit. It's fine. Okay, I, I'm removing the big ones with the isoports will not get done in one evening. I'm removing those ones normally, but I'm probably checking every every one to every second week if it's if there's something I need really need to remove or else the isoports are really getting it done really good. And do you need to like feed them or anything or are they just feeding off oh. of the byproduct? They're eating the, uh, the byproduct and they're eating uh, the leaves. Um, sometimes I'm putting in extra leaves in the terrarium because they're eating the leaves. And Is this some the specific Sorry? kind of leaf? No, it, it is, but uh, I don't know what to say, call them in, uh, in English. It's not the pine trees, but like the other trees with like the big uh, leaves. And uh, when they're like old and brown and stuff and really close to going really easy apart from each other, I'm just throwing them in there because the isopod love that stuff. And it also, when I'm putting a layer of that in the, in the bottom, it will also keep the humidity more on the ground floor. So the plants will benefit more from the water. So I will not need to give as much water if there is not. Are they from outside or is it some type of packaged? No, I, I pick up everything I can from the nature as far, far as possible. We don't have anything in, in the nature in Denmark that will harm your animal. As, n not really. The only thing there is, I can take in a few insects that will eat my isopods. But normally I will just put in the leaves in the oven for 20 minutes on 100 degrees and then it will normally be fine for me to use. Awesome. Yeah, I've heard of people doing that as far as oven baking their leaves or yeah. whatever they put in the the enclosure is there any type of like smell to the enclosure or it's all taken care of by the isopods or... um there is in the beginning because when you're heating up the leaves all the the water and the dust and there is and the water will smell a bit weird to be honest it doesn't sound nice smell nice at all but after being in there for a couple of weeks and the plants are getting to get good roots in there and it's starting to work the habitat, I, I don't have any other smell than what a plant will smell like in there. So, so it's like, uh, smells like a forest in there. Yeah, somehow. But, but the only thing is, um, it's hard to uh, ventilate in terrarium as much as it would in the nature. So it can sm smell a bit like closed. But I also, I have my window open in my room uh, 12 hours a day, if not more. And sometimes it's just full open all day. So it's getting a good airflow in there. So I don't have any smell. Are you ever worried that it's like getting too humid? Uh, well, so you can't ventilate it? No, I don't. I have, I, my problem is actually that it's getting too dry too fast because it's so hot in there right now in the, in the summer in Denmark. So it's the water is a uh, what do you call it? It's a uh, damping off too fast as as it's going down to the substrate. So that's my problem. I need to water every second day. Where in the wind, I only need to water every once a week. Wow. For simply not killing my plants. So you need that. Is that more to keep the plants alive, or do you, or for the animal? Or well, to be honest, I don't think many snakes need as high humidity to survive. I don't, I don't only think they need it for the shit, to be honest, but it doesn't hurt them to have the humidity on a, on the, on the, on the schedule on the, on all the time. But I have plants in there and they will keep the humidity high. My animals are shitting fine. No problems at all. They're eating every time. 
I don't have any problems with anything so far. And I've been I've been keeping Biactive since 2016, so it's only a couple of years now, but it's working out for me so far. And do you see more and more people going that direction? Uh, it's really coming in Denmark to do it. If you are not a full-time big breeder, then there's, most people are doing it, to be honest. Because in Denmark, are, people are crazy about the green looks and stuff, and they and they hate no. They really they only the beginners buy buy the fake plants, and then they get rid, tired of the fake plants and put in live plants. So it depends on who you are and what how much energy you want to put into your animal. But mostly Danish people are really good caretakers of the animal. Yeah, how do you make sure that? Because I have a lot of species that would burrow and would probably mess up the plants. How do you make sure that they're like rooted and they can't mess with them? Well, normally I would make an uh, enclosure and let it stand for a couple of months for it to get get a, get it. Also, forgetting the uh, the whole habitat and uh, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, just to get the whole thing going, I will just keep it going for a couple of months, water it regularly and stuff. Uh, I have a few animals. There's uh, digging tunnels under it. Those kukiri uh, snakes, or what you call them. They're digging tunnels under it, and when I'm watering the enclosure, they will come out like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> but they're, they, they're, they're too small to mess it up too much, so I just water it. They, they all fall together with their tunnels, and they'll dig a new one, and I haven't had any problems with it fall, getting up. I think I will have problems with it with my blue tongue skink when I'm going to do that because they are little tanks that will destroy anything. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to wait and see about that one. What kind of plants, like, are there certain plants? Obviously, there are certain plants that would be toxic, but what are go-to plants for everyone who wants to put plants in their enclosure? I'm going to find the English name for it. It's the most common, common, it's not actually a, it's not, it's poison. Is that what you call a plant? If it's dangerous to eat? Poisonous or toxic poisonous, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, toxic, yeah. Because I know mostly people use like different bromeliads and some ferns and stuff to put in their enclosures, but yeah, oh, I don't know the name of this one in English. I will show you a picture. You'll probably know it pretty fast because it's a pretty. I'm not good one. with knowing. It's the most regular use plant in terrariums, as far as I know. I have no it's a idea. Green one? No. Okay. <laughs> it's a green one. It. Yeah. <laughs> It's a green one. It's working really well, and it likes. It can go with dry and with uh, really high humidity terrariums. It looks it like that's like, like a house plant that someone would have normally. Oh, pothos is what people in the chat say. Pothos. Yes. I don't know. I can't confirm confirm or deny that. I have no idea. I have an uh, I have a whole list on my phone, but it's with uh, the scientific names on them. I don't think that will help anyone out. <laughs> I mean, it will work. We can definitely figure it out. Epipirium. Damn, why it's so hard to say those names? Oh, I hit my phone right now. There no, you go. you're good. Oh, God, that's very hard. Epi 
Premnum Arirum? <laughs> yeah, something like that. I don't know. Someone in the chat will have to Google it and figure it out. <laughs> but yeah, I have no idea. And those, do you need grow lights and everything? Uh, it would help my vivariums looking more nice because right now my plants are growing against the glass because that's where the natural sunlight is coming from. So when I'm going to build a newer wall with stuff, I'll put in like the, the real lights and stuff to make it grow straight up so I can also... Because right now, all this stuff is growing to the front, so I have a hard time looking in if I'm not trimming it more often. Oh, just because it's seeing the natural sunlight that's yeah. going through a uh, yeah. window or something. Do you have to put in, like, are there any sturdier plants or anything that you can put in for your arboreal species, or you're just using wood? I'm just using wood. Uh Roots, wood, uh, whatever look, looks nice. I'm, I'm building after what I think is looking nice in there. I can send you some pictures after how I've done it, uh, but not. it's just like uh, branches put in on different ways and like straight and stuff because the, the Amazons really like the, to have different things to lay on. They don't like to like coiled up on one branch. So they have like one part in the middle and one part on the side where they're going to have like a big place where they could touch five or six branches just to lay out on. Yeah. Yeah. They like at least like three points of contact, you know, uh, they want to be and, draped. And it's the same thing with the rhino rat snakes. They're, they're like the same way of perching. Really? Yeah. And now do you, you want more Corrales? Um, you don't Definitely. mind that they're <laughs> like, I don't know. I took out mine the other day and it's just, they're fun, but they're definitely a handful <laughs> at the well, same time. I think I've never got bit by one. Uh, I'm, I'm using a hook to get them out of the barrier, but when I have them out, they're just chilling out, going like moving around. I've, I don't have any problems with mine at all, mm -hmm. but I have, I have seen some sketchy specimens that's going crazy and going after the faces and stuff, but I haven't, I haven't tried that yet. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're awesome snakes. They definitely have uh, personalities and not everyone would love for definitely. sure. And I don't it's think. It's one of my favorite pieces. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the good snakes are like that anyway. <laughs> uh, things like the, the annulated and I don't get why people like them. Like, why are you interested in things? I mean, obviously in Emerald, obviously like the Amazon basins, the, the obvious things that yeah. are beautiful but like things like annulated and i don't know i don't get it you haven't you haven't seen the annulated uh casper has no if you haven't go check out his instagram they are so goddamn gorgeous but i also told you earlier i like the brown stuff and he the annulators are normally brown and dark but I really enjoy those animals. I like the weird and nature colored stuff. I also enjoy the green, crazy green stuff because that's what you see in the terrarium. You see a green snake in there and people will be like, that's crazy. Well, those slug eating snakes look like they should be like, like aliens or something from a different planet. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, they have a big head and a thin necks and a big eyes. And a weird short mouth compared to the face. And it's like, what the hell could that thing ever eat? You know, it doesn't look yeah. like it should work in the wild <laughs> at any point. But I guess it makes sense if it's eating slugs and snails. 
I have a video of it on my Instagram with it eating, actually uh, pulling out the, the snails out, out of the eggs and dropping the shell. I have it on my Instagram if people want to awesome. check it out. Absolutely. So if people could get in touch with you, where can they get in touch with you? Oh, I'm spending most of my time on, time on Instagram, MG Reptiles, but I also made a uh, Facebook page, MG Reptiles. I'm not keeping it as well updated as my Instagram, but I'm trying. Uh, I also just wrote, send me a shoot on uh, on Facebook. I'll put, I have a middle name people can uh, write, but they can find me if they will. Definitely. MG Reptiles on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, that's where most of our, at this point, I mean, that's where most of the people get in touch with me or yeah. get in touch with, I mean, it's the best place for reptiles right now. Definitely, definitely. I mean, unfortunately... Also, I was yeah. I made a new logo logo for my uh, for my Instagram and stuff uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then uh, I was putting up the 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 pro- process of me doing it and asking people advice how to what they think I should add and stuff, and uh, when I, f- I finished my new uh, logo, I designed it myself and draw it from the bottom. It took me six hours, and after that, there's a few people writing to me. So how much are you taking for making logos and stuff? Just for me sharing what the fuck I was doing. That's so weird. So now I'm making a logo for some some someone called uh, Fisher Reptiles. I don't know where he's located, but he's uh, breeding uh, yellow anacondas. So he will have a new logo in the end of this week, hopefully, and then next week. So if you need a logo, <laughs> shoot me out. I will try to do it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. Um, no problem. Great talking Anytime. to you. <laughs> If you guys want to get in touch with us, which I guess is just me right now, but <laughs> Port City Pythons, Instagram, Facebook, Port City Pythons, YouTube, all that good stuff. Um, and that's really it. Thank you guys for watching and we will catch you next Monday.